0: Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 187. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we're discussing Voyager's first season, episodes Eye of the Needle, Ex Post Facto,
1: and Emanations. Here we go. <laughs> Eye of the Needle, Season 1, Episode 7, Production Code 107. Original air date, February 20th, 1995. Directed by Winrick Colby, story by Hilary Bader, teleplay by Bill Dial and Jerry Taylor, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Vaughn Armstrong as Telek and Tom Virtue as Baxter.
2: Voyager detects the signs of a wormhole and changes course to investigate in the hope that it can be used to shorten Voyager's journey to Earth. To the crew's disappointment, it is discovered to be a decaying micro-wormhole. Nevertheless, Captain Janeway suspects that it could be used to transmit a message to the Alpha Quadrant and launches a micro-probe into the wormhole to ter- determine where it exits. You were originally programmed to serve in limited fashion during an emergency. Now you're being asked to do much more. That's certainly true. I'm providing full-time medical service for the entire ship's
0: crew, functioning as both doctor and nurse, and now as an instructor as well. You don't have the luxury of thinking of yourself as an emergency medical program anymore.
2: You've become a full-fledged member of the crew.
0: Eye of the Needle. Steve, kick us off on this one.
1: All right. Um, yeah, this I remember this one quite well. I remember I enjoyed it because, you know, it's kind of a... I don't know, maybe it's like the first real connection since this begins with the Alpha Quadrant and the fun little time element to it and so on. And uh, so it's interesting. I um, like the stuff with the doctor. I mean, obviously, Kes is um, expanding her uh, role and is interested in studying and the doctor is interested in someone being interested in him. And uh, his you know his, that's a lot of interest, a lot of interest <laughs> going on yeah so um and then of course the poignant part of the actual prospect of what if they did leave and the doctors just left there you know and these kind of things um so yeah i mean I, I i think it's all right i mean obviously it's pretty self-contained and there can be times where it's a bit slow um but conceptually it's i think it's all right and it's you know at some point you have to kind of uh, step into this notion of, you know, exploring unusual options to get home and so on. So that's what I kind of like about it.
0: It's interesting that the doctor storyline here is the B story, but he's got more than half of my notes on the page mm-hmm. because, and and this is, I mean, I think this is a solid episode and that a story is interesting and keeps it, it's cool. It's unique, but I think this is a sign of things to come In our voyager discussions that so much of the time the doctor is the most interesting part adam some of your first thoughts here
2: oh i definitely agree with you the um the doctor stuff was was a lot more interesting in the first half of the the episode i think um you know the the wormhole stuff got more interesting once we kind of got to the point where they're you know talking to this romulan and doing that thing but i think i would agree with you brian The, the more interesting stuff was you know the questioning of kind of what life is and, you know, Kes she has that conversation with, um, Captain Janeway and she explains to him, you know, he thinks he feels, you know, he learns and kind of just, you know, just the nature of life and what is it. And, um, it's star Trek's kind of always had this character or at least, um, you know, in, at least in this episode and, and, um, for our next generation, you know, kind of this creature, what it, you know, data, the doctor, are they, are they life forms? Do they, can they think and make choices for themselves? And um, we kind of start getting into that with um, the doctor and we'll see more of that down the road. Um Of the three episodes, I, I enjoyed this one. Most of the three um, I, I thought it was just put together the best of the three. Um, um, even the a story was, it got, it got more interesting towards the end. I thought when the Romulan came over and then you kind of find out that it's from the past and, you know, that, Kind of like that they were able to connect on, you know, in some sort of humane humane terms, you know, even though Romulans and the Federation are enemies, they were able to kind of come together. And it was kind of a nice part of the story, even though it didn't really work out for the crew of Voyager.
0: A lot of good character stuff in this one. There's some good Janeway stuff. Janeway actually coming down and talking to the doctor. That felt like, surely that's happened, right? Is this the first time that she's come down there and talked to him, just the two of them? It felt weird, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in a good way, but it felt like I hadn't really seen this. Yeah,
1: she's obviously kind of late to the party with considering the doctor, uh, you know, a, a real – a person or some kind of sentient being worth her trouble, I think.
0: Well, and it's a good scene for that with her and Cass when Cass convinces her to go check mm-hmm. on him. Um, that scene could have been – Way too long, you know, but it, it was just it was very short. And she said just the right things. And we had just the right look. Kate on face there. It was uh, economic, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, the, the concepts of the wormhole were cool, you know, when the episode first opens, you know, and they're like, oh, wormhole. You know, and obviously this is early in the Voyager Trek. So you're like, okay, they're running into a wormhole. They're not going to, something's got to be up with it. They're not going to go through it. I like that. It's an interesting concept to kind of make it into a micro wormhole because, you know, we're, we're basically coming from deep space nine where we've gotten used to this big glorious wormhole and they just, you know, cart back and forth between the quadrants pretty easily. And when you get
0: into what this is about, it's definitely,
1: you know, size doesn't matter or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought it was interesting how, um, you know, how, how time travel is treated. It really tells you where we are in, in actual history, not Trek history, you know, like, and, you know, we're still in the kind of classic era because, um, you know, it was kind of immediately the notion of going, actually going, pretty dismissed was dismissed pretty quickly you know actually okay we could tra- still transport over there 20 years i have a feeling now that would be a completely viable plot line you know in a, in a current Trek series like well sure we'll just go back there and do something else and then create a new timeline and oh well you know i mean it's it's interesting well now they'd be worried about which universe they're going to or something
0: <laughs> what if it had been going into the future the same amount of time, then they wouldn't have had the time concerns, but messing with the timeline, right? Or no?
1: Right. That's true. I mean, they, the only thing would have been that they'd be um, 20 years phased out of the other Trek series that was on at the time, you know, but that would have been a possibility I think, but they'd have found some reason they couldn't and probably, you know. Yeah. You could
0: remake this now and they're looking uh, into, the JJ timeline, or <laughs> or they're looking into
2: the cross dimensional path. Mm-hmm.
0: It could have been more fun a little bit. I think if they, you know, why not go back a little bit farther? Why couldn't I mean, he? I guess this this time period of truck production really goes out of its way to not do original series stuff. But you know, what if he'd been an original series Romulan?
1: Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. He just stayed on his face the whole time, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. He could have chosen to do that because he's really petrified about mm-hmm. making contact. And then once he actually the the reveal of the time that he's from is when he beams aboard or something.
1: Right, right.
2: i was surprised how quickly he volunteered to beam through that wormhole. I'm like, I'd I'd be a little even even after beaming from planet to planet, be a little leery about beaming through a wormhole. He's pretty like, yeah, it's beaming it through.
0: And how many of those little test thingies did they bring that direction? It seems like they were only going... Oh, she did say they'd be in there back in
2: didn't she? <laughs> back yeah, and okay.
0: Forth. I wonder, like, who's going to be the one staying? Because he has to, like, do it manually every time, right? Yeah. Who's going to be the last one? Somebody has to stay and do the manual stuff.
2: The doctor. They bring him into the transport room and leave him on. Mm. And wait, would you have to destroy the ship? Would you just have to self-destruct the ship? I was thinking of that, too. It was like when somebody's off poor Tuvok, Tuvok's place in this episode was to bring bad news.
0: Oh, yeah, he does it twice, huh?
2: (laughs) I'm sorry, Captain, we can't go back. Yeah, he does it twice. Sorry, Captain, we can't go back because he's 20 years in the past. Sorry, Captain, Um, he died four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That would
0: be nice if uh, they're in the the room there, and he says his the second he says his name, and Tuok's like, "Oh, let me look up and see what happened." Oh, oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, sending messages in a few years, you do that.
0: Yeah, um, no reason. Could you pass our messages on to someone else?
1: Yeah,
2: that can maybe send them
1: on. Responsibility.
0: is this episode a about anything?
2: Um, well, the B story different, definitely questions. What starts the question of what life is and what is sentient? What isn't, um, With the doctor,
0: what kind of right, what rights does he deserve and or not deserve? Um,
2: but yeah, I mean, they don't fully get into it. They just kind of start. I mean, the conversation gets started with him here, you know, when, you know, Next generation, you know, it was pretty quick. They, you know, had that whole episode and everything. But this, yeah, well, to, that's like,
0: got to be some of her of Janeway's thinking, right? I mean, she has to know about like Measure of a Man and things like that, right? <laughs>
2: sure, she's probably got the DVD set there somewhere in her office.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's watched that episode before. Um, but now, surely, there's been some kind of a Federation guideline on that. But on the other hand, they developed this emergency medical hologram and they placed it on lots and lots of ships.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah
2: you know and i
0: think about this this concept right is
2: that it would be used full time and have to become a full
0: well not so much that but they've obviously imbued him uh with these abilities to learn and grow
2: i mean you know this is pr- if i remember right this kind of goes on for a while during the ser- you know it kind of they kind of wrap it up with data what in like season 2 or 3 but i mean you know it doesn't they kind of goes on with the doctor about his rights and things of that nature throughout, right? Even all the way into 6 and 7, if I remember right. I could be wrong.
0: What season does he get his um, mobile emitter? Yeah. Uh, it's 4 or 5. That's amazing that he's confined to
1: sickbay and the holodeck all that time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. So uh, what is this episode about?
1: You know, I have trouble with that, really, because I, I do enjoy it. But, yeah, if, if, if the... If we, if we can talk about kind of some some themes that you can talk about what it's about, but it's all focused on the B story that occupies such a small amount of the episode, really, even though it was, you know, got a lot of attention, it's it's hard for me to, and it has nothing to do with the A story. I have trouble reconciling that to say it's solidly about something altogether, you know?
2: You know, if you want to talk about what the A story is about, I mean, a lot of that is having faith and trust in, a, you, know, a, you know, an enemy such as the Romulan. Um, Right. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of as far as I could get. I mean, you know, on that, on the A story, um, Janeway obviously has those, those scenes with the captain when, you know, before they see each other, when they're, you know, she's in her quarters and she's kind of imploring to him and she's, you know, talk, they talk about his daughter and family, and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I like those moments. And
0: she does that on the bridge too, when she appeals to him because of his family. And, you know, she finds that, that, she doesn't just say, "Do you have children?" and then he says, "Yes." I mean, she really talks to him about them, you know.
2: Right. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you could say the story's about trusting your enemy. It's also about, you know, I guess it might be a reach here, kind of accepting your situation because they kind of they they could have tried to have gone back, like you said, we made that discussion. They could have gone back twenty years, but they didn't stand by your principles.
0: I think we're all forgetting that there there really would have been a good solution here. They go back. And the Romulans just put them in prison for twenty years. <laughs> right. right? They would know the exact dates release them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Last question. I remember really liking this episode just just thinking it was really fun the first time I saw it. I still per- felt pretty similar to that. Yeah, like that. It's it's maybe not. It's an example of one that maybe doesn't have a lot to say. But it's just kind of a fun mm-hmm. thing to figure out. And it's got an – how does this compare to, like, the way you felt about it back then?
1: No, I mean, I I kind of – I have a similar feeling about it, I think. You know, that there's – it's interesting, kind of fun. I think back when I saw it the first time, I pondered less about, you know, the the big questions and so on. But I, I think it's I'm, it's pretty comparable how I felt about it then and now.
2: Um, yeah I like i I remember liking it then I like it now I think I still kind of felt like um maybe it was a little too early to have an episode about them having a chance of getting home um I thought maybe this would have fit better later on or possibly in season two um, but I
0: don't know about that i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna point out one why I thought it was good I like this idea that they that they write these letters you know this whole I mean when they started this, there was no thought of, well, I mean, when they first started, yeah, they thought they could go through the wormhole. But very quickly, we see that it's very, very small. And, you know, the best they're going to do is, are these messages. And I like that, you know, early on in the series, we're kind of reminding people that, you know, this, this appears to be easy for them, but they do have families and things that they miss. And, They have been thrown across the universe, (laughs) so uh, the galaxy. So I like this little reminder up front that they've all kind of Mm -hmm. given something up and they're all trying to get it back. All right. Let's do six degrees for Eye of the Needle. Steve. Yes. Bon Armstrong an actor that plays a lot of parts on Star Trek. In this one, he plays T'Lek, the Romulan that's uh, old enough to be your father. He played the Klingon Korath in the... I think I might have asked this question before. (laughs) In the final episode of Voyager, as well as what live-action ride? I want the name of the ride. Hmm. That's how long we've been doing this episode, folks. I'm asking about the name of theme park rides multiple times that's how long we've been doing this show
1: oh yeah wow um it's the star trek experience the klingon encounter
0: you got it adam which series regular does not appear in this episode neelix very good wonder one moving on
2: i got the easy one there sorry steve (laughs) Ex
1: post facto, season one, episode eight, production code one zero eight, original air date, February twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five. Directed by Levar Burton, story by Evan Carlos Summers, teleplay by Michael Piller and Evan Carlos Summers, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Henry Brown as Numeri Captain, Francis Guinan as Minister Cray, Aaron Lustig as Doctor, Robin McKee as Liddell Wren, and Ray Reinhardt as Tolan Wren. <laughs>
2: While on a visit to the Bienn homeworld, Lieutenant Tom Paris is convicted of murder of an engineering physicist, Talon Wren. As punishment, Paris has to relive Wren's last moments every 14 hours. The memory plays back in Paris' mind as he sees himself with Wren's wife before stabbing Wren in his living room. Captain, I must consult with Ensign Kim immediately. With Kim? Why? I assume he has access to Professor Wren's research. I believe it will explain not only why Lieutenant Paris has been accused of a murder he did not commit, but also why the New Miri chose to attack us.
0: You guys watched that fake Tarantino Star Trek trailer I sent you? I did. It was fun. The the funniest part to me was the beep, you know, like that, like he's cussing or whatever. And in in this episode, <laughs> uh, Tuvok says he's going to do a mind melt, and Neelix says. What did he say? on oh, mine? What? <laughs> I just imagine putting that beep over meld, right?
1: Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. This is these are the things I think about. Adam, start us on ex post facto.
2: Eh. It was okay. It was kind of melodramatic. Not it's, something um, they're
0: going to. They wanted to put on the box for this.
2: Eh. No. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say I disliked it. I just kind of, it's kind of, I would put it below average. It's it's so, you know, it's not really a murder mystery, but it is not a very good one. Um, I do like Tuvok in this episode, Um, the Tuvok and Paris relationship. You know, you kind of see that bond forming. Um, We kind of get to see how Tuvok kind of works in an investigation. Tory Manor there's going to be far better episodes where that we see him do this but you get a glimpse into how he works and operates you know kind of dispassionate and to the facts Um, you know we haven't you know most of the time we see a a main lead for a Vulcan you know there's some sort of science officer they're not in a a role like this so I'll say I did like the parts of it like that Um, I don't know I don't remember liking it a whole lot back then and I didn't I don't think I've changed too much now
0: I like this, uh, you know, that we we do see uh, investigation mode Tuvok. He's certainly got the mind for it. Like, w- we liked it when we saw, I guess Odo had plenty of these. Maybe a, a little bit data, but something about Tuvok investigating that I'd, I seem to like most of all, he's, he's probably, like, Vulcans are, are more, we, we had plenty of Spock references to Sherlock Holmes, but... But there's a level of dispassion that they employ during these investigations that reminds me of Sherlock Holmes. And I love Sherlock Holmes. I've you know, I've read every one of those stories multiple times. Which by the way, this past week I tried for the first time to read some of them to my six year old. Not ready. Nope. Mm. Not ready. And that was even with me changing the never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um so Steve, some of your first thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's all right. I mean, I think the the crux of it is it feels so much like the next gen episode, no matter of perspective, you know, um, with the different viewpoints and all this kind of deal. And I mean, I guess that wasn't yesterday when this episode came out, but it feels so much like that. You know, I do think that the differences are I, and I agree about. Uh, scene two about investigating, I, li- I like that stuff. I think that the primary differences are the whole method of punishment is kind of a new thing, um, pretty harsh and interesting. And also, I think this episode it, it feels like it's specifically trying to feel like film noir like or something. You know, some of the some of the stuff they're yeah. doing. Um, and I think that's kind of fun. You know, so yeah, I think Burton said this was the first time Star Trek shot on.
0: Black and white film.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know that they needed to do that.
1: <laughs> I think it would have <laughs> looked the same if right, they just right, right. pulled the color out. Post, sure. but no one's there. gonna know. But anyway, so so I think it's there's there's some interesting elements and in trying to solve a puzzle and that kind of stuff and and uh, so it's not bad. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. I like the again. I know it's just my love of Sherlock Holmes, but. You know Tuvok has his the scene where he explains everything everybody all the people, all the players come into one room and then he explains what happened yeah you know I just that that sort of thing is so satisfying for me mm-hmm. always has been this is the first time I think that uh Tuvok has mm. mine melded on this show yeah it's the first time we've seen someone smoking on this show mm. which Apparently, it's the last time we see someone smoking on this show. <laughs> but it is funny how dated that. Did that feel as dated to you guys as it does to me? Like just that is just isn't done, right? Like I'm watching I started watching the new Netflix show Altered Carbon and he smokes in it and it just feels like <laughs> Bizarro Land. Like that's what they're trying they're trying to make it feel like Bizarro Land by having him do it and it's working. But here she's just smoking. <laughs>
2: Well, I guess it depends on the era they're doing the show in. I mean, you, there's obviously plenty of smoking in Mad Men.
0: No, but for a Star Trek show, you know, the original series never had smoking. Oh,
2: okay. That's why I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about like that today. Just TV today. I'm like, sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I'm saying both, but I'm just saying in general, it's weird. When we were growing up. There was lots of smoking in television and film. Right. And now there's like none. And when you see it, say, for example, in Star Trek, when it's not done, even when it might be appropriate for the time in which it was made, it feels bizarro land. Mm. For sure but apparently it didn't strike you guys as strongly as it did me. I
2: thought it would have been cooler if he would have sat down and smoked with her and seemed that of <laughs> character like Paris because Paris is kind of carefree and kind of right. party guy. It just seemed kind of like weird of him to go, you know, we got rid of smoking back then. It just seemed out of character for Paris. It would have been like, Paris hey.
0: could have sat down and said, light me one up. You have some of that wacky tabacky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting because, um, we saw it next gen right in a holodeck at least right because we've seen i remember dixon hill stuff but um it is interesting because i haven't pondered it that much but you know it seems like they go to a lot of planets and people have some kind of alcohol equivalent but there's not a lot of people smoking things there never has been a great deal of that you know
2: yeah not track for sure
1: yeah well uh, drinking alcohol is still much more culturally accepted right so it's totally just a reflection of the, our times and our culture you know mm-hmm. uh, Neelix is in this episode briefly with his real deep briefings there on the
0: you know Janeway's in trouble when she's getting advice from Neelix <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it's interesting they employ a lie detector basically you know in sickbay you not see that kind of thing very often
2: um the be i like I thought the feathers were kind of cool. that was kind of different.
0: I did not like the way they look they they look like weird bird people,
2: yeah, I think that's what they were going for. You never quite it except for maybe the animated series obviously, but um, you'd never seen them try that before i didn't it didn't throw me off. it was just i found it to be an interesting choice that you never they've never kind of gone there or that I can remember any kind of
0: but then she had a pet dog. <laughs> Have you ever seen a bird with a pet dog? Well, ever? there's a
2: well, there's a lot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the actual makeup was kind of a cool choice. There, if you want to get into the problems of the episode, there's there's plenty. I'll, I'll starting with the dog that we can go into. But um, I'm just let's go into the
0: dog. Let's do it right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're saying because she's see a bird it. woman, she would eat the dog. Is that what you're trying to say?
0: What? No, birds don't eat dogs, dude. What planet do you live on? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, birds and dogs are not friends. And birds wouldn't have dogs for pets.
2: All right. It's just weird. What would birds have pets? What would their pets be?
1: Neelix. (laughs) (laughs) We see a little bit of the... Paris Tuvok thing going on, which you know, kind of from the get go. Given Paris's history and Tuvok's background, there's not an obvious connection there. But you know, Paris stating that he's made a friend, you know, what's a good
0: opposites?
2: That's right. The end scene there was good with them at the the mess hall.
1: Yeah,
0: you've made a friend today, Mister Tuvok. Reminding you of the Kazon line from Caretaker, you've made an enemy today. (laughs) Yes.
2: bookend when <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> you know when an episode's going well what, how much time we got left here
1: <laughs>
0: it felt maybe uh, maybe it has something to do with the smoking but the way like Tom and uh, I forget the character's name the, the wife
1: yeah it's um, Adele Rin or whatever
0: the way they interact feels like oddly it's like it's just odd like it doesn't they are not like really clicking
2: or something i don't know the whole thing's weird
0: yeah it's weird
2: you know i mean it, it seems like there'd be easier ways to get um you know information off a planet than waiting for a random alien to show up and you know <laughs> stick it in this get convict him of murder stick it in his head and hope that he gets taken off the planet it was just kind of a a weird way. It's just a weird story.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately the the film noir bits. When you think about the times like the Odo film noir stuff. Those episodes. Well, that one in particular, the Tarak Noir one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It works because it just completely commits to it. I think what hurts this episode is that it's it's like mm-hmm. one foot in, one foot out. Right. You know. I'm not saying I would have liked it. I don't know if it had just gone all in film noir, but this like half in half out thing. uh, It just doesn't serve either thing very well. So it's like almost jarring to kind of cut between these things. I don't know. It just, it's not, it's not very smooth. What saves it for me is just getting to see Tuvok, the investigator. I really do like Tuvok a lot. And what's this episode about?
2: Don't mess with bird women
0: dogs are, in fact, reliable eyewitnesses.
2: <laughs> um, If you want to go from Tuvok's standpoint, as you, you complete a thorough investigation before you don't rely on just one piece of evidence even though that piece of evidence might seem so overwhelmingly convincing you should still do a thorough investigation. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the dog was not enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. If it's about anything, it's, it's that kind of um, not jumping to conclu- the notion of not jumping to conclusions, you know, to consider all sides and all evidence because things that may seem to be clear cut often are not. Would you consider this if you had to
0: pick, is this a Tuvok episode? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it opens with Paris having his the last moments you know experiencing the last moments of his victim's life kind of thing
2: yeah i think you you could could say it's a tuvok episode
1: it's kind of interesting in that regard right because it, it, it
2: because i would i would say because it seems like tuvok's character is the one is that's advanced through through this episode i mean so yeah i would say it's a tuvok episode i don't know what do you guys think
1: yeah i mean if i had to pick maybe but it is one of those that it feels like the focal point changes which isn't totally invalid but it's hard to do when you have brief episode type stuff you know and it, historically we've seen things that tend to be more focused work better you know yeah maybe they, if they just had one more scene with the dog
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do six degrees for ex post facto the score is one two one adam are you going first or second
2: um i'll go first
0: Francis Guinan plays Minister Cray. We will next see him as a character named Czar in Voyager's sixth season. Fill in the blank for that episode's title. Live blank and prosper.
2: Live blank? um, Live long and prosper?
0: Your guess is live long and prosper?
2: Sure. I would not have asked... (laughs) <laughs> that
1: steve mm, it's that one i'm uh, i may not get this exactly right. is it live fast and prosper
0: yes sir it's live fast okay aaron lustig plays the benayan doctor in enterprise's second season he was one of many that sought safety from bad space weather near the enterprise's nacelles name the episode Again, I feel like I asked this because somehow just like certain t- episode titles stick with me. I like them. They click in my brain, and then I end up asking them when I can. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. It has to do with oh, geez. Um, the physical spots in that area that they can mm-hmm. walk around or under or near, things like that
1: gonna so tip my tongue, I certainly remember the episode, but it's just not coming to me right now. No.
0: Adam?
2: No, I don't know it either.
1: The catwalk. Ah yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: You could sing that for us. And then <laughs> <laughs> uh Adam
1: uh, Steve has two, Adam has one moving on. <laughs> Emanations Season 1 Episode 9 Production Code 109 Original air date March 13, 1995 Directed by David Livingston Written by Brennan Braga Music composed by Jay Chataway Guest cast includes Cecile Kaelin as Patera Jeffrey Allen Chandler as Hatil John Siragliano as Dr. Renora Robin Groves as Loria Martha Hackett as Seska and Jerry Harden as Dr. Neria <laughs>
2: Voyager detects the signature as an yet undiscovered heavy element within the ring system of a planet. An away team is sent to investigate the cavern systems of one of the rock, rocky asteroids. In doing so, they discover numerous humanoid bodies covered in a cobweb-like substance and conclude that the cavern system is a burial ground. They discover that the burial ground is still in use when a subspace wormhole vacuole opens and deposits a body surrounding it in webbing. Another vacuole begins to form, and the away team is beamed out for safety reasons. But Ensign Kim disappears into the vacuole and is replaced by a female alien body, which is also wrapped in the webs.
1: So, the subspace vacuole must have transported me somewhere else. Do you have any star charts I could look at? I'd like to figure out where I am now in relation to where I was. Where you are now? is in the world of the living where you came from was another dimension, another dimension. Yes. You return from the next
0: emanation. Adam, first thoughts, emanations go.
2: Um, I like really like the first half of the, half of this episode, maybe the first two thirds. And it just kind of just wraps up quickly. I don't know. I, I, it's, kind of weird how it just kind of goes really quickly i kind of like i like the idea that they're talking about you know death and you know what cultures um believe in and that kind of thing but when the character that the woman that comes to voyager and they save her i don't know i just didn't really i understood where they were coming from with that character but i kind of was hoping for more she kind of just seemed like a one-dimensional character she kept getting you know I don't know I just there was something about that character I thought that there could have been something more um I like the discussions that Kim and the other um um humanoid on where you know where Kim was transported to you know they had I like those scenes in those conversations when they were questioning life and death Kim's basically like you know I don't know what happens to you but I want to go back home but i I like that idea that they kind of talk about this and question it
0: yeah this is an episode that at the time. I almost thought it was maybe a little bit too—I don't know—a little bit too talky. And there's not not a lot really happens. There's not a lot of like action in this episode, I guess. Mm. But now I think I enjoy it a little bit more for that very reason, and I think that makes it helps it to hold up a little bit better. So. That's surprising and odd,
1: uh, Steve. Your first thoughts here? Yeah, it's interesting because, in in a way, there's an there are a number of issues here that we could talk about that that are negative things about this episode. It's the things about the um, kind of trying to understand how an, a, a species would have evolved to this kind of situation for one, and also how it is pretty talky, and uh, things like why do they just leave this. Alien sitting around and let other people talk to him. I, and this is the kind of a lot of plot holes that do come to mind when you do it. But as you said, the, the discussion point, the key, the key issue of focusing on, you know, how often do we see um, encounter this species that is that has not only do they believe in something in terms of their afterlife but it's like they have some kind of like concrete thing behind it they have a ritual behind it they have a a real belief in something because a body actually vanishes all these kind of elements and then to be that sure and to have that upended you know i mean i thought about it quite a bit after watching it because it's such a trying to put myself in their shoes the notion of you know what if all of a sudden you were that sure you knew exactly what was gonna go down with it and then all of a sudden you just pretty much knew that probably is not ex- what's going on you know and um they, i think they kind of it, you know it, it's pretty much hits it on the head at the end with okay their essences go up in these rings and all this stuff and that makes it all great whatever but uh you know that almost puts too much of a fine point on you know on it but on possibilities and so on but i think that question is of having your beliefs upended in such a way is 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 interesting yeah i agree that that the
0: neural energy getting transferred to the you know i think that if they'd had something a little bit more i don't i don't know i that that was a little bit too on the nose i guess yeah Mm -hmm. probably could have gotten away with nothing there and it just said well we don't know you know right why does it have why does it have to be such a Uh, like a physical manifestation, something that you can record with a tricorder, right? You know? Yeah. Well, on that question though, why are
1: eyes less intrusive than a passive scan? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there, there were times, and I I, I think this now, too, but I remember watching it then, too, or Chakotay, and I, and I get what they're trying to do there, you know, it's like, okay, don't be invasive and, you know, be careful with, you know, respect the rituals and so forth. But some of the stuff is so, the, the difference, like you said, is so indistinct, it's kind of like, what's the point? At least they stopped him short of making a choice that could put someone in peril, you know? I mean, it's almost like you have to watch him because if he's too respectful and someone's, re- you know, is at risk of injury or losing a life or something, you know, kind of absurd. I like the way Wei approaches
0: uh, to that, that, the way she talks to and treats that woman, mm-hmm. the the woman in sick bay. I don't know. She's so genuine and thoughtful with her, you know?
1: Yeah. And because we've seen up to now, in the few episodes we've seen, we know Janeway is a scientist, and it's that's not easy for her to have a, you know, she she has to try because yeah. she's going to be pretty much objective and evidence and this kind of stuff, and it's not like she's saying, well, this is what we're seeing, and that's that, you know, she's she's trying to you know be empathetic
2: i love the way they shot that scene where she first awakens you know they almost it's not quite a fisheye lens when they're looking at you know they have their she's looking up at janeway and i believe two there yeah it's all pretty kinda,
0: claustrophobic
2: they're all hovering over her and you know it's like it's got to be an incredibly traumatic experience and they kind of make it feel that way with the way they shot it kind of from her point of view um you almost kind of feel her anxiety there in those moments so i thought they did get a good job kind of putting you in- let me think of
0: uh terry gilliam i uh, found my friends <laughs> no. that's it. right? Right?
1: yeah but and you know it's not the only thing in this episode the, you know ba- kim basically knowing that he's got to die to go back and the way they did that and it's like here come these things that are going to do something to me to kill me and that's it's it's, it's scary i mean that's right. ugh, you know
0: i think I think they could have played that up even more. Right, right. I I think it should have been a harder decision for him. I think Mm -hmm. he should have been way more scared. Oh, yeah. And I think they should have have played up the drama of reviving him.
2: I think they just ran out of time. That's what I was talking about, where things just kind of got wrapped up really quickly. Um, I I don't disagree with you, Brian. Um, I think they just kind of ran out of time in this episode to kind of follow through on some of the things that they set up earlier in the episode
1: this this culture you know with i mean there's a little bit of um a little bit of that kind of vibe that we you know saw in next gen with the episode where the individual they had the when they turned 60 they off them or whatever you know i mean this this culture where like the the family member hits the button you know hits the button to kill them and send them off i mean geez louise you know it's that was startling i've thought
2: I like the way how, you know, cuz when he when he first tells um tells me like, you know, hey, my family decided for me to go on and he's kind of um Kim's kind of like mm. kind of ju- not judgmental, but he's a little bit in shock. But then when he kind of explains it, it's like it's kind of done out of love and that's what you were kind of talking about, I think alluding to earlier Stephen, you know, they have these beliefs and it's not I didn't get that they were cruel or like, hey, get out of here. We don't want you here. It's just, it was a part of their culture and a part of their life. You know, it wasn't like,
1: right, right. they
2: didn't feel like they were killing him. And I think they didn't, he explained that well to Kim and it didn't feel like he had like any bitterness. I think he still wanted, obviously still wanted to live, but um, didn't get that sense that it was just, okay, mm-hmm. you got to go type thing. Um,
0: it's, it's another good example of an episode that speaks to me a lot differently than it did hmm. when I was younger. You know, this episode came out, when when did it air? So, 95, you know,
1: nearly 23 years ago. Yeah, so I was like 19 years old. Um, Immortal and indestructible. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and if anything, I probably, you know, I would have looked at these people as, I would have looked down on them, you know. But now, you know, the older I get, the more I respect different cultures and even the stuff the more i don't understand it or the the more it seems bizarre to me the the more i try to mm. respect it I, I don't know
1: this individual the aliens journey here is what's most interesting in a way you know i mean they don't spend a great deal of time on it but he has his conversations with kim and and you know he it's it's kind of it's, it's shallow. It's not really heartfelt when he's saying things like, oh, it's best for the family, best for this and all this kind of stuff. Yet he still makes this choice, this extreme choice of I'm just going to go into hiding and fake this whole thing, you know, and what brings someone to do something so extreme in that culture? You know, well, I mean, maybe seeing an alien for the first time, but, you know, or having a conversation with him. But his journey is what's so interesting. Is this episode about anything?
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's questioning um, um, death beliefs and death, um, where we go in the afterlife. Um, yeah, it has all those themes and, and, you know, in your life is your own decision. The choices that you make about your life, um, should be your own. Um, I think it's kind of saying that towards the end when, when he chooses to go live in the mountains with his friends. Um, it, there's another theme. It talks about the quality of life. You know, he's obviously handicapped just, you know, it's, it's saying. Just because you're handicapped doesn't mean you can't live a high quality, happy, fantastic life. So there's there's that in it. So there's a lot of different things that kinda relate to each other in this episode.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree with that. And you can analyze on several levels what's going on. I mean ultimately you um, you you know you can't be judgmental of of these things either. And 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 things again, kinda like we talked about in another episode, this notion of Things aren't always what they seem, and uh, you can't you can't make assumptions. You never really know for sure. You know you can have your assumptions about the way things are, or have your judgments about the way another culture sees things. But it's it's not so simple, you know. All right, let's do six degrees for emanations.
0: Adam, yes. Jerry Hardin plays Neria, the alien that would really like Harry Kim to stay. Name the character he played in Next Gen's Times Arrow parts one and two.
2: Name the character. Um, I. I will take
0: that. the actual person's name or the pseudonym.
2: Um, I don't recall. Sorry.
0: Steve Mark Twain. For no extra points, the actual name Samuel Clemens. Of course, you're from Missouri. You would know <laughs> that. <laughs> Uh, uh, Steve Jeffrey Allen Chandler plays Garen the guy that happily swaps places with Kim to not die in DS9 he played the Trill Guardian in the third season episode where Dax hangs out with her previous hosts named the episode hmm God, this is a hard one this is a this is a hard one <laughs> mm-hmm
2: all you, Steve. It's all on you.
1: Um, I mean, I feel like it's somewhere in there, but I'm not sure it's coming out. Um, I mean, I remember the character, even. Yeah, she has to go face-to-face with all her previous hosts. Yeah, I don't know. Facets. Ah, okay, there we go.
0: See, I gave you the face part of it. It's yeah, of
1: it. yeah. I was still couldn't pull it yeah. up. Yeah.
0: Well, Steve still takes it for the day. Only one more episode of... Um... Discovery's first season and then uh, I read again we had talked about last time Is there, are they really going to wait until January of 2019 to air again and it does sound like it mm. I think Trek, uh, Trek Core had an article maybe mm-hmm. where they said that eight month gap or so between script and shooting to actually airing is needed for, that's what they did in the first season apparently mm. just because they okay. have so many so much uh, effects work that they do. So need a lot more lead time compared to, right. Say Voyager. Yes. Uh, I'll make the same joke I've already made. That's how long we've been going, folks. We just keep making the same. <laughs> I make the same jokes. Uh, so, in unrelated news, my CBS All Access subscription will also be canceled <laughs> next week. Right. It will their, not be for danger. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sure they've thought about this and know that there's plenty of people that are only doing it for that. But Mm -hmm. what do you do do if you don't need the time? You need the time, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, who's not going to do that? I mean, I'm not going to like, oh, let me catch up with young Sheldon or something. I mean, (laughs) it's not my thing. Uh I mean, I'm sure it's great, but.
0: (laughs) I do do watch elementary, but A, it doesn't come back until I think the end of April and it's like a short season. I think it's the last season. And they air it on CBS. I just watch it live right, with my, you know, right. rabbit ears. Doesn't yeah. matter. Money. So anyway, yes. Uh, but that's okay. So this will be done in time for us to start watching baseball again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, let's see. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you for spending an hour with us and we will be back in two weeks to do the next three episodes of Voyager's first season. Until then, take it easy. Bye guys.
1: See ya.
2: I
0: passed it.